always say, when you write stuff down, somehow you remember it better. I know I, that, that's it for me, and um, I'm sure Tom has some explanation to tell us why that is. But I just know when I write stuff down, I retain it better than when I just try to memorize it. I just know that, you know, or when I listen to it. When I write it down, I retain it better than listening to it. So it's very important to write stuff down. So Matthew 28 Verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Anybody want to explain that to me real quick? That, this is tough, huh? You say, this, but what kind of church is this? Man, we, this is like class. You, you got to explain stuff. Anybody want to explain that to me? Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the, and of the Holy Ghost. People will say this scripture to you. And so how will you talk to them when they tell you this? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Don't, don't, be, don't, don't be shy. Anybody, anybody want to talk to me about this text? We, we've been over it time and time again, and I'm just trying to reiterate, make sure, you know, I'm, I'm just doing a little review right now before we get into uh, a new portion of our study tonight. Just a little review. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son. Go ahead, Brother Tom, since nobody wants to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, um, Professor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Teaching all nations means to spread the words of all who will hear you. Uh-huh. And baptizing is is there's two parts. There's the water baptism and there's the baptism of the spirit, but it could be Jesus' name. Uh-huh. Jesus is the Father, Jesus is the Son, and Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Anybody else want to give it another shot? I like that. Okay. Brother Chuby, tell me what you, what you understand. Uh huh. That we should go and disciple. Oh, come on, Chub. I like that. So you're right. We should go and disciple people. Okay. And then we have to, after we disciple them, then we have to baptize them. Right. Now, the scripture says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But you didn't get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Why not? Ah, uh huh. Uh huh. What's his name? Jesus. Uh, I'm done talking. Let's go. <laughs> you, you got something else? Go ahead, sister. Um, one of the things that jumped out to me when I look at the scripture just now. Uh huh. When it says all nations, and I'm actually talking to the scripture about someone about them being baptized and seeing the Holy Ghost. When it mentions all nations, that no one exists for everyone. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes, that is very good. Anybody else? Everybody else good? We can explain it. Yes, I like that. Listen, you got to be sharp, got to be on your game. It's not good just to just come to church. We think that's good. We've, we've been told, go to church, that's good. Well, the reason why we're having issues in church is because people told us a long time ago, just go to church. And so we went to church. But nothing was changing our life and we were still explaining, we were still experiencing a lot of issues and hell and turmoil. And we're saying, but I'm going to church. Because we're not just supposed to go to church. We're supposed to go to church and learn. 
We're supposed to go to church and be filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to go to church and obtain the Word of God in our heart and be able to speak about the Word of God. And, and here is the deal. In this day and age, people are more intellectual than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. So, I'm going to get real deep tonight probably if I, if the Lord leave me that way. But, but years ago, I, I discovered something among Christians. Christians were emotional. And so when you spoke to a Christian person and you start to say something that irritated them a little bit, they started getting emotional. And when you get emotional, you cannot explain the word of God the way you need to. And the Bible says that, 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 that they call the Almighty God the Prince of Peace. And if you're getting all worked up when you're talking to someone and the Prince of Peace is supposed to dwell in you, what would give them confidence to feel like they need to keep talking to you? You ain't no better off than them. You're getting worked up and you can't explain the scriptures for them to understand it. And so it's important that we grasp the word of God in a way where no matter what the, the environment is, because I have Jesus on the inside. And I know what the scripture says. I can articulate myself. I can explain myself without getting worked up. I can communicate God's word where somebody can get it. And one of the best way to do it is let people do a lot of talking. You, you cannot rush when you're trying to explain God's word to people. You have to take your time. And sometimes people just been frustrated, hurt by a lot of things. And they need to just get it all out. If you take it personal, you lose them. Can't take it personal when they got to get it out because somebody made them mad in church. Because somebody that claimed to be a Christian didn't act like a Christian and they got offended by it. And now they're just taking it out on you. And now you got worked up and you got mad and you weren't able to communicate to them. So we lost out on that person. So it's important to understand the word of God, grasp it, know how to explain it. Allow the Prince of Peace that's in you to guide you through explaining it. And we go from there. So we said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means to get moving, as you said, get from where you are, go someplace and begin to make disciples. So that word teach means make disciples. Then it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. And Brother Chuby said it just so wonderfully that when Jesus told them to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, he didn't say go and baptize them in the names with S on it. It says in the name. So that sentence will be totally a mess if it says go baptize them in the name and then give you three different names. You know, it would have been confusing. So he gave you name, which was singular, and gave you three titles. So you know when you go to baptize people, you baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost. What is that name? Jesus. We don't have to feel uncomfortable explaining that. Just says, yeah, you're supposed to go and baptize in the name. Now, we know Father's not a name, and Son is not a name, and Holy Spirit is not a name anyway, right? So you can't go and baptize anybody in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, because those are not names. Those are titles. Make sense? 
Hold on to those things and explain them. So when people, when you start to talk to people, you can explain that to them. Then verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am all, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. The second teaching we said is a prolonged teaching and learning to equip the Christian or disciple for his or her lifetime purpose in Christ. So when you have become born again and you begin to live for God, you are now being taught for your lifetime purpose in God. This is why you come to church. Uh Uh-oh. Once you are fully born again of the water and of the spirit, you are coming to church to be equipped for your lifetime purpose in Christ. If you didn't think that's why you were coming, that's why you're frustrated. Because it wouldn't make sense to be here on Thursday night. Once I got saved, I'm saved. What I need to go back to church for? I can read my Bible at home. But you're coming back because you're being equipped for your lifetime purpose in Christ. So you know just coming to church is not your lifetime purpose. Your lifetime purpose is what the Lord has determined it will be. And as you keep coming, God will begin to reveal it to you, reveal it to the pastor, and we can keep it moving. And you will know what that lifetime purpose will be eventually if you keep coming. But if you don't come, you stay home, then your your development, let me say it this way, this is a nice way to say it. If you don't come to church as much, it means that you slow down your process of development for your lifetime purpose. Isn't that a nice way to say it? Because that's really what it is. So the more church we miss, the slower the process will be to achieve my lifetime purpose in Christ. And then you will be like what we say. There, there are some, some, some people that are um, lifetime students. They never stop going to school. <laughs> yep, they're always taking a class somewhere. We, we, we're always learning in Christ, but there comes a time where we discover our lifetime purpose. It took me 18 years to discover my lifetime purpose. 18 years. I'll be 49 in December. I don't have a whole lot of time to accomplish my lifetime purpose anymore. Hopefully God will be quicker with some of you. I know I put a lot of time in and it still took me 18 years to discover my lifetime purpose. So trust the Lord. He'll work it out. What did we say a disciple is? A disciple. Who is a disciple? All right. All right. Professor, what you got? Yes. Oh, okay. Just, I'm just. So we're all disciples. A disciple and a Christian. Is there any different? Oh, come on now. So there's no difference between a disciple and a Christian. True. Why did we say? Because we discussed this in class. So why is it that we? Usually don't say we're disciples. We say, oh, I'm a Christian. Why does it seem like we're more comfortable saying we're Christians than saying we're disciples? Okay, we're going to raise our hands. There you go. When we hear that word disciple, 
it makes us get worried. Like, you mean the 12 that followed Jesus? Oh, that's what I got to do. I got to quit my job and do it. That's what you mean? And so we panicked. But the truth of the matter is a disciple and a Christian is the same thing. And if you want to get going as a Christian, you better start referring to yourself as a disciple of Christ because you will understand I've got some ways to go. I've got some more learning to do. I've got some things I need to accomplish when you say you're a disciple. But if you say you're a Christian, you think you're good. When they're both the same, but we, we shy away from being a disciple. So we are disciples of Christ because disciples follow Christ. And Christians are followers of Christ. So we're all in the same boat right there. All right. Then we went, we went on and said that in order to be uh, effective in making disciples, we, we, we need for the Spirit, the Holy Ghost in us to work through us. And oftentimes we try to do things that we feel like we're, we can do in our own intellectual way. But reaching lost people, making disciples is a spiritual thing. It's not an intellectual thing. And so we need the Spirit of God. So remember it says in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem represented your local area. God covered all the territory. Remember, somebody says nation with, with, with an S. So it's telling you Jerusalem was referring to your local area. Judea was representing your regional area. Samaria was representing cross-culturalism, okay? And so we know that it's going to be the different demographics of people. You know, I always say when you go up in the Metuchen Edison area, there's a lot of Indian people in that area. That's a cross-cultural thing there. So God's letting you know, even the people that's not like you, you better witness to them. <laughs> Witness to the people that are not like you. And then it says, and the uttermost parts of the earth, that means internationally. So God didn't exempt anybody that we should witness to. We should make disciples of every people. Doesn't matter what their skin color is. Doesn't matter what their background and culture. You all are good people, though. It's, it's, it's a blessing. We have a great group of people in Christ-centered church that I, I just feel it in you. And I thank God for that because that, that motivates me. That we... We don't care about, we, we, we have a group of people in this church that just, we, we just know how to get along with every kind of people. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. That we're not people that we can only feel comfortable with our own kind. This church is good with that. That you all just, you can just, just do your thing with, doesn't matter what kind of people, what culture, what background, and we're not forcing the issue. You know, I picked up on that a little bit this weekend. I said, you know, we don't have to try. You know, you know how sometimes, let, let me be real with you. I can, I can be real with you. In church, sometimes, when we're trying to be diverse, sometimes we, we, we go over the top, Brother D, trying to be diverse. And what I mean by that is, we, 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 we go, we do extra. So if I'm black and I encounter somebody white, I gotta go extra to try to, you know, make them feel comfortable or, 
No, no, no. We don't have to do that. Just be yourself. Don't go extra. Don't go over the top. Be yourself. And yourself supposed to be, I love people. <laughs> That's what yourself supposed to be. I love people, no matter who they are. And so we don't have to, you know, go out of our way to say, look, what they say, as, as soon as um, a white person find themselves in a jam where they feel like they can be criticized for being racist or prejudiced, they say, but I got a black friend. <laughs> Hold on. But black people do that, too. <laughs> you know, black person, you know, you, you prejudiced, man. And he's like, but I got white friends. We need to stop all that mess because that just tells us everything we need to know. You don't have to force that stuff. You, you just love people and that thing would just flow from you. And that's what God intended. That's why he witnessed to the woman at the well from Samaria. He wanted us to see we need to be a witness. We need to make disciples of everybody. Then we also talked about, we talked about why would Jesus, who is God in the flesh, only spend three and a half years to coach us up on how to be witnesses and then ascend to heaven when he could do a better job than us. Why did he leave that job to us when we, when he could have done a whole lot better job than us? Why did he do that? Y'all remember why did we say that? Why did he only teach for three and a half years and then says, listen, you 12, continue to work that I have started because I'm going back to the father. Why did he do that? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And with the instruction to go, we will do more job uh-huh. than one person. Oh man, I got a good student here. <laughs> so 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 if Jesus just continued to walk with the twelve and add to the posse, how long would that have taken to reach the whole world? So he was limited, Almighty God was limited in his flesh in evangelizing the world. Right? He had his posse. And he was rolling, and then he had people broken off, and he had another group and another group, but it still was taking a long time. So he says, I got a trick for that. He always knew what the trick was, but he said, I got a trick for that. I am going to send to heaven and send my spirit back so you will have me with you in physical form, not physical, not, not spiritual. You will have me in spiritual form and not physical form, and as many of you that will have me dwelling in you and you just begin to spread out throughout the earth, you will accomplish more, not better things than I've done, but more than what I could have accomplished. So now we got to realize that God is counting on us because the mission that we need to continue, the great commission that we need to continue, he needs us to go and do it because that is more efficient than if he stayed here by himself Doing it. So now you know God is counting on you to make disciples. He left us the instructions on what to do, where to go, and make disciples. And so he's counting on every one of us. That's not, there's not one person that's saved that God is not counting on to help with reaching this world with the gospel. Remember what I said. If all God cared about was you being saved, the day that you got your born again process was completed, you would have ascended to heaven. If that's all he wanted from you. The day your born again process was completed, you would have just started 
ascending just like Jesus. You know, Jesus started ascending to heaven. Well, you would have ascended to heaven if that's all he wanted from you. But that's not all he wanted from you. He needs you to help him with his plan. So that's why we've been talking about for five weeks now, continuing the mission. Five weeks. I couldn't, I can't believe it. we went that long. So God is counting on you. All right, so here we go moving along. The main requirement of a mature disciple is to reproduce themselves. So, in your lifetime purpose in Christ, in some way, shape, or form, what you're going to be doing is reproducing yourself. What you're going to be doing is providing, teaching, instructing somebody in the gospel. Your lifetime purpose will somehow consist of that. Your lifetime purpose, just say you've been called to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, Sister Heidi. Just say that's what you've been called to do, and and maybe that could be what you're going to do for all your life. That would not be just all you have to do. You would have to do that so well that you're helping to impact people's life every day they walk into this building. Their life will be so impacted that they will know that there's a God and they will know who he is because you standing at that door. Everybody's lifetime purpose have to be where we're impacting somebody's life so they will know who Jesus Christ is. So they will want to live right and talk right and be saved. All of us. And so we talked about that a mature Christian responsibility will be to reproduce themselves. Now, that's natural in life. That's a natural course of life in reproduction, reproducing yourself, right? That's natural. And so here is what we talked about that we really have to get on. And this was probably one of the main points I I made the last time we, we met for Bible study. I said... Drug dealers are reproducing themselves. I said ISIS is reproducing themselves. I said racist people are reproducing themselves. Because you know racism don't exist because it exists. Somebody's teaching it. Right? So we know, you know, these poor kids, whether, I don't care what nationality you were brought up, but you saw something in your home that was wrong and taught you to be a racist person, and that's how you become that. Because this world, in the way it is, if you just don't try to get into that, this world don't teach you to do that. You watch the kids in school and how they interact, they don't have any idea what that stuff is. But if we start showing them in the way we operate or what we say, then we start teaching them and don't realize we're, we're making disciples of ourselves. So people are making disciples of themselves in a way of being racist. And so if ISIS and, and, and drug dealers and gangs and even rappers are reproducing themselves, what should the people of God be doing? We was quiet the last time I said that. <laughs> because it's, it's standard. And I'm going to get into that in just one second, how standard it is. All right. Let's see here. All right, let me do this. So let me show you how natural and normal reproducing yourself is supposed to be. 
Some of you know about my chart here that I got from ALI, but some of you don't know. And so I'm going to go through it and show you how God is precise and how God does things. And God always do things a certain way. What I always say, it's good to learn about the ways of God than anything else. Because sometimes you won't know what to do, but if you understand how God operate in his ways, then you'll be able to figure out what's going on. But if all you know is just, I know a little of the word here, you know, a little here, but knowing God's ways, how he does things will help you figure out what God is doing at all times. So here is a chart that's talking about going from death to life. Understand this, a non-existent person is considered a dead person. And a person that's existing, that's not saved, is considered a dead person. That's what the Bible calls us. We're dead men and women walking if we don't have Jesus Christ. All right? Don't say that to people and offend them. I'm just telling you the truth. You just got to figure out how to explain that. All right? So look at what the natural cycle of a human birth is. Natural cycle. Natural cycle of human birth. Some of you know, but some of you are learning. So we said the natural cycle of human birth is fertility, planting of the seed, conception, gestation, breakthrough, breath, growth, reproduction. So let's explain all of them. Fertility, we said that there can be no conception without fertility. Everybody know that? So, so that's the most important thing for pregnancy. You got to be fertile. If you're fertile and the seed is planted, then we have conception. So we can have a whole bunch of seed. Oh man, oh man, slow it down. Oh boy, help me Jesus. So there could be a whole lot of planting of seed. If there's no fertility, you will not conceive. But if there's fertility and the seed is planted and conception take place, once conception takes place, you have an embryo, right? And that embryo begins to grow. That process is called gestation, right? And then after that embryo has grown to the place where now, you know, it's developed and it's time for that, that embryo that has now become a person fully developed, it's time for that, for that baby to come forth. Now, the baby is the one that determined that it was time for him or she to come out. Not, not the mom. The baby decides, I'm ready to get out of here. And so when the baby decides it's time to get out of here, the baby and the mom work together so the baby can come into this world. That's called breakthrough. That's the delivery. As soon as the baby come out, they slap the baby on the butt. If the baby not crying, so the baby can start crying. What are you smiling about, Genesis? Then once the baby um, start crying, it means it's breathing now. It's, it's no longer breathing through the mother. It's breathing on its own. Oh, man. Every time I go through this, it makes me feel smart. Sound like I'm smart. I don't know about that one. Well, I just know that I know how to explain this. <laughs> and so the baby comes out, take its first breath, and then the baby start growing. Mom feeding it some milk, you know, baby food. The baby is growing. The baby grow to maturity, then what happens? Somebody tell me. Tell, no, let, let me ask the young people. When the, let me let one of the young people tell me. When the baby comes out, baby grow to like 
you know, getting a little older than y'all, that means full maturity. Then what happened? Tell me, Genesis. Okay, okay, and after they leave the house, then what? After that. Ooh, all right. Ah. So, so, did anybody tell that mother, you need to go get pregnant? How did that mother decide she got pregnant? Okay, thank you, Brother Luke. Luke said that mother made a choice. I want to have a baby. Nobody didn't tell her to do that. That came natural. That's my whole point I'm trying to make here tonight. Nobody told that mother, you need to go get pregnant. She knew she wanted a baby. I, I watched, I'm, I had the privilege to watch a baby girl grow up. This is my first choice, first chance to watch. And I'm watching how she just different from boys. I mean, they different. They already, God made them born with these things, whatever they are, whatever y'all want to call them. But these things where they're sensitive and they, they automatically just love babies. They know they, they are a little bit more calmer, a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more touchy. They, they, they pay attention. And I watched the other one. He don't pay no attention. <laughs> they had a little thing at school today and, and Peyton is all in it. She knew exactly when the cue came for her to do the signs and, and she was on it. And Jordan was like, man, if y'all don't hurry up with this stuff. <laughs> Terrible. Now he knew what he was doing, but he wasn't attentive like she was. God made you young ladies to be attentive because he gave you all of that stuff. So you will be equipped to when you decide it's time to have a baby and reproduce, you can and know how to take care of it. Yes. Yes. That's what's going on. So you determine when you can reproduce. And when you know you can do it, you said, all right, I want my own baby. And nobody to tell you that. That's my whole point. Nobody got to tell you that. So why should we have classes in church to tell you you need to reproduce yourself? That's where I'm going. That should come just as natural as that. Reaching people, being a disciple maker. And helping them to know who Jesus Christ, that should come just as natural as a woman growing up and desiring to want to have kids. It should come just that natural because God made it that way. And so here we go. So that's the natural cycle. Look at this, the, the, the born again or salvation cycle. It is the same process as over here, but now this is for you to be saved. So the first thing you need to know in order to really get saved, I'm talking about really get saved. I'm not talking about traditional things. I'm talking about the way God intended. The first thing you need to have to really get saved is revelation. Revelation. That means God is revealed to you. Nobody can get saved if God is not revealed to them. Because how are you getting saved if you don't understand who is saving you? And that's what has happened to people over the years. They, they, they followed the formula to get saved, but they never really understood what the process is. So they really followed that formula and just did what they were supposed to, but they was really never really where they need to be because all they did was follow a formula. The process is you need to recognize who God is. You need to come. He need to reveal himself to you. And once he reveal himself to you, then you got to recognize. 
Danielle is the perfect example. So when I first got saved and God was working on me, I don't know if you ever heard this, Zion, and now, now you're old enough to understand. So this was probably in 1996, 1997, Zion. You wasn't even thought of. And so I'm living for God. I'm excited about living for God. And I would read my Bible at my desk. And God, you know, I always heard them preach in the apostolic church. You know, there's only one God. But I don't know if I really understood it the way I need to. But I always heard one God. And I started reading my Bible, Zion. And I started recognizing for myself one God. Yeah, there go the scriptures that back up the one God. Yeah, I can explain it now for myself that there's only one God. Now, I should have really knew that before I got baptized, but I never did. And so, I had the revelation, and I started teaching to your mom, Zion. She now had the knowledge that Jesus Christ is God, but she didn't recognize that for herself yet. She had knowledge, but no recognition. So I would tell her, it's only one God. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see. I was showing the Bible. One God. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she still had to recognize it for herself. And it wasn't until she recognized it for herself that things started changing in her life. She's like, oh, snap. Because she recognized that God had revealed himself to her that there's only one God. So you have to come to the understanding. God has to reveal himself to you. You must recognize it for yourself. Then, when you recognize, that's the only way you can respond. You don't respond until you understand something. You're ignorant if you're just responding with no understanding. And so, once she recognized, she had to respond. She's, then, she, then she had to say, what I need to do? Go back to Acts 2, when, they, when Peter got done preaching and says, you crucified Jesus who was the Christ. He was both Lord and man. Lord and God, they was pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the brethren, what shall we do? That's called responding. They got revelation. They recognized. Then they responded and says, what shall we do? Now that we understand that Jesus is God and we recognize this for ourselves, what do we need to do? That's called responding. Then when you, when when they ask that question, Peter says, you got to repent. So they repented of their sin. They, they went to God and said, oh, Lord, we realize who you are and that you died for our sins and that you are the giver of life and that you're the one that sustains us and that you're all powerful and that one day you're coming back for us and you had manifest yourself as a man just to give your life for us and all that stuff. You recognize all that. And so you respond and you repented. Ask for forgiveness. Once you ask for forgiveness, then he says, your sins are forgiven. Then you Get baptized. That's called remission. That's what baptism is. It's removal of sins. So you repented and God says, I forgave you. And then when you go in the water, the water is the symbol of the blood of Jesus Christ. It washes away all of your sins. That's called remission. Then once you get baptized, the next thing that happens is receiving. You receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. After you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you're in church like you are now, growing, learning, preparing for your life journey in church, your purpose. Then after that, reproducing. It's the, it's the same exact. That's why I said study God ways. 
You see what I'm saying now? Because, because God never changes. The Bible says God changes not. So he's always going to stick to his principles of how he does things. So the natural cycle is just that way. And so now the salvation cycle is the same way. It didn't change anything. It's just now you're going from death to life. You're going from being a non-Christian to a Christian. Over here, you're going from not being in existence to being a human being. And then finally over here, this is going from uh, not being spiritual to being spiritual. And I'll just skip all the stuff because I, I don't have time to explain all of that, what those things mean. You should know, but I don't have all the meaning. I don't have all the explanation for the meaning right now. But at the end, the last one, just like all of those, is charity. What's charity? Love. What is love? Yes, God is love. But we're supposed to Zion only reproduce when there's love involved. The real, let's hit you where it hurts, because it's going to hurt me, because I had to deal with this. We should reproduce and have children out of love. <laughs> Don't mess with God. Don't mess with God. That's how children are supposed to come into love. For God so loved the world. <laughs> so, so some of us, we messed up. I know I did the first, first go around. Uh, no. uh, mm, just had kids. Cause that's what you do. You know? Some of it wasn't even planned. But if you do it the God way, it will be out of love. But if you follow all that stuff, it will show you the it will mimic the same thing from natural to salvation to spiritual. God don't change. Why did I go through all of that to show you all of that? Because I want you to know reproducing yourself is supposed to be as natural as having children, as natural as when you get saved, as natural as being spiritual. We're supposed to always come to a point of reproducing ourselves. Any questions? Do I need to take a break and ask any questions? Because I'm going to finish up now. We taking notes? Told you. I want you to know. I, I, want, I want to teach you. All right. So here is what I'm going to do. Application. This is, I'm closing up tonight. It'll be an early Bible study, hopefully, tonight. So let's talk about application. So far, what I've done is I reviewed with you what we've talked about before as far as the text of, of the Great Commission. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the So we explained that, we reviewed that. The second thing we did was establish that it's important to reproduce ourselves, which is in other words called making disciples. When you reproduce yourself, you're making disciples. And you have a choice. You can, you can make a, a, a intellectual, non-spiritual disciple or you can make a spiritual disciple. Because if, if, if whoever you are, that's what you're going to reproduce. You can't reproduce something that you're not. Right? An orange cannot reproduce a pear. A dog can't reproduce a cat. So whatever you are, that's what you're going to reproduce. All right. 
So application of all that we talked about today. Listen to this. When Jesus said, go make disciples, he was prescribing a lifestyle, a pattern and a mentality for us, his disciples. So what we have done over the years, which was poor on our part as preachers, teachers, is we kind of talked about reproducing and disciple making as a separate entity. Like that's part of what you do as a Christian, as a disciple, when we should have been teaching that it is your lifestyle. That's who you are. You are a reproducer of yourself. And if you are a true bona fide Christian man, Christian woman, you are reproducing yourself, which means you're reproducing another Christian. You can do that spiritually or you can do that naturally. Yes. And so that's what the Lord was trying to get them to understand. It's a lifestyle. Okay. Jesus model of making disciples has proven to work over 2000 years ago and it still works today. His method is to invite. Listen to this. This is important. Jesus's method is to invite carefully chosen people into relationship with him to share his vision with them, then place the expectations upon them and release them to do the same with others. That's a lot right there. I'll say it again slowly. Jesus's method is this. He, in, he, he carefully chose people. What he normally do is he prayed. Jesus prayed. So he prayed about people. Prayed about how to be led to reach people. So he carefully prayed. And as he carefully prayed, then he went. Go. That word go again. He went. And he began to choose people to come into relationship with him. Stop right there. So he went. He go. And he chose people. To be in relationship with him. When they came into relationship with him and he built a relationship with them, then he began to share with them his vision. By discipling them. Then he placed an expectation upon them of what their responsibility should be in that. Once they got it. Then he released them to repeat that same process. That's what he did over the years. That's what he did over 2,000 years ago. He wasn't sending out flyers. He wasn't going door knocking. Now, I'm telling you stuff that we do, and I'm not going to stop doing those things, but I'm telling you what Jesus' method was. It was about relationship. Hey, man, come with me. If you prayed up, you on the right track and you reach out to befriend people, they will want to be friends with you. Because you're full of Jesus and you're being kind. You got a smile on your face. You just seem inviting. People seem to want to be around you and they just want to be your friend. This is the method that work. All the other stuff we came up with and it worked a little bit. But understand this. 
door knocking and sending out mailers produce 1% of your congregation. 80% of your congregation comes from relationships. Is Jesus' method still working? (laughs) Over 2,000 years ago, his method was relationships. And that's how he reached the world. Through relationships. Zacchaeus! Oh man, come down out of that tree. I'm coming to your house and chill with you today. (laughs) It's still working today. That's all he did. He befriended people. Made relationship out of their connection. And then he ministered to them. When he met the woman at the well, he didn't just beat her in the head with the gospel. He started talking to her about things that they could talk about in common. Friendship. Relationship. Connection. That's what he did. Once he did that, then he was able to tell them about the gospel. Then when they received the gospel, he ministered the gospel in a way that it put a certain responsibility and expectation on them. Let me deal with this real quick in just a second. Part of what we're struggling with is we don't want anyone to make us responsible for anything. We don't want to be responsible for anything. We want fame. We want to be known. We want recognition, but we don't want no responsibility. That's part of our challenge that we're dealing with. Genesis, Simeon, Josiah, and Zion is experiencing it right now, but I'm not not saying that they don't want it. So don't get me twisted here. But what I'm saying is they have realized that in order to make things work in their atmosphere, which is how can they touch the people in their circle with with the gospel? How can they have more fun as young people, as Christians? They realize they're going to have to become responsible. They're realizing that right now. And it's going to be a challenge for you all because you're going to have to realize if we don't do it, it won't happen. They're learning that. Would the adults learn that too? If we don't do it, it won't happen. So depending on how much of a desire or burden you have to see this, it's going to depend on what kind of results we will get. If they are made up, if they made up in their mind that we want more young people in this church, if they made up in their mind we want a nice praise and worship young people team with about, you know, 20 people in it, if they have made up in their mind that we want cool people in the church that will be Christians, but at least they'll be cool so we can do cool things, it's their responsibility. They, they're learning that right now. They had their first hype night and they realized, Lord, we got to invite the people. We got to know what kind of food to get. We got to know how many people is coming so we have the right amount of food. We got to come up with the games. Oh, no. Yes. But I'm glad that they're learning that. And that's what we all have to realize at this juncture that and that's what I think that we're running from. We're running from the responsibility of what God has placed on us. The pastor is not placing that on you. God has placed that responsibility on you. He needs you to reproduce yourself. He has put that response. Not me. I'm only communicating what he has already communicated in the word. So why 
churches can be challenged in this day and age is people don't want the responsibility anymore. They want their life to be free. They don't want to have no responsibility. They want to just do what they want, when they want, how they want, when they feel. That's what people want right now. I need my freedom. They think church put 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 stipulations and, and, and stuff in their life where it's slowing them down. And they don't want to be that. They want to be free to do whatever they want. But can I tell you this? God is the one that's putting this on you, not the church. Okay, here's Revelation. Here's Revelation. Zion, come back to you all. When a mature young lady and her husband decide to have a child, can they become irresponsible at that point? When you have a kid, can you just like, I'm just going to do whatever I want, however I want. Whatever. Can you, can, can we do that? When we have children, can, can we just do whatever we want when we have children? We can't just do whatever we want when we have children. So where am I going with this? In the spiritual, as Christians, you will never be able to be a Christian without responsibility. And that's what everybody's running away from. I just want to be at a church. I just want to go to church. I don't need nobody asking me nothing. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to go to church. God doesn't operate like that. Again, learn the ways of God. God is not in that. So if all you want to do is go to church, God is not in that. That's you. Because whatever God has called us to the kingdom for, it requires us to have a certain level of responsibility. And that responsibility is coming down to at some point in time, we have to reproduce ourselves. We have to make disciples. And when you have a child, you can't be irresponsible anymore. You can't be thinking, me, 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 I do whatever I want. You can't. Well, you're getting it in the spiritual now. All right. Any questions? Building relationships will always be the most effective way to reach lost people because of the deep human need to belong, to be loved, and to be cared for. As human beings, we can lie all we want. I don't care how tough you are. As, as strong as Brother D always uh, do. Tell Sister Idea, come on. Now. Sister Idea, try to hug Brother D. I don't care who it is. Me, Brother D. Any one of us, Trumpy, I don't care which one of us it is. We all, as humans, need to feel like we belong. We all need to feel loved. And we all need to feel cared for. Brother D, the video came out, but it's not on the streets yet. The Christmas of Christ video? Uh-huh. I think you had something to do with um, we all need belong. to feel belong. Like I belong to something, someplace, someplace where I go. That's my place. I belong there. This my thing. All of us need that. I don't care if it's a family, a church, a workplace. I don't care what it is. All of us need to have that sense of belonging at some place. All of us need to feel loved at some place. And all of us need to be, need to feel cared for. If, if you feel like you're not being cared for, that doesn't sit well with you. And I would tell you this, 
That's why we need a church. Because if that pastor is doing his job right, you will experience all three of those things. If that pastor is doing his job, if you don't feel belong anyplace else, you should feel that in the church. If you don't feel loved anyplace else, you should feel that in the church. If you don't feel cared for anyplace else, you should feel that in the church. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. That's true. That's it. That's true. Communicating a whole lot on social media don't mean you are building relationships. Remember that. Listen to this. Listen to this. People are communicating more, but talking less. <laughs> I love that. People are communicating more, but talking less. Because every time you turn around, they posted something on Facebook. So that's communication. But they're not talking to nobody. Look at me, what I'm cooking tonight. Oh, man. So, so you're communicating. Look what we did today as a family. You're communicating, but you're not talking to anybody. You know, you're just letting everybody know what you're doing, but you're not, you're not talking to anybody. All right. Let me finish up. One of the most uh, effective way to do your job in reproduction is by telling your testimony. But there's a way to tell your testimony. Those of you that were in CSTI class, you know what that is. When you're telling your testimony, you have to tell people, and you want to tell your testimony in about three minutes, four minutes, and how you tell your testimony is tell people what you used to be like, how you got changed by Jesus Christ, and now that you're changed by Jesus Christ, how you're living. So your testimony, remember these three words, your testimony should consist of before, how, and now. Before, how, and now. So once you make friends with somebody and they say, what's so different about you? I know it was something that pulled us together. Then you start telling them, well, three years ago, I just felt kind of lost. Drinking every once in a while, you know, I like to drink a nice glass of wine every once in a while. You know, I, I love to dance, so I just would go out and dance, you know, and. You know, I do my thing. And so I, I, I did a few things, you know, nothing crazy, but I did my thing. And then one day somebody told me about a Bible study, like Bible study. Then I went to the Bible study and it was actually kind of informative. I, I thought it was pretty decent. And so I started learning stuff. I'm like, wow. And before you know it, I learned how you become saved. You know, people always talk about being saved, but they never tell you how you can become saved. But that Bible study, I, I was able to learn that you had to know who Jesus is. And then you had to, you know, understand who he is. And then you had to repent of your sins. And then you had to get baptized and he filled you with his spirit. And that all went on for me. And now, man, I'm living this Christian life and I could never be happier than I am now. Just that easy. 
they will ask more in-depth questions if they want. But you're trying to tell them why you and them connected. You're trying to tell them why you're so you have this great attitude because you're trying to explain your great attitude by telling them your testimony. So you have to befriend them first and then you move forward in letting them know. Last thing, two, 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 two more things I'm going to tell you and then I'm finished. Um, understand this. God brought you out of sin to send you back into sin. God brought you out of darkness to send you back into darkness. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? But that's exactly what he's doing. Don't, don't you think, don't you worry. That's what he's doing. If I had time, you can use this as your homework. But I laughed. I, I went back today and read the Moses story again in Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord called Moses and he told Moses, you're going, to, you're going back to Egypt. Egypt is considered a sinful world. And he says, you're going back to Egypt and you're going to, you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. Lead them out. Lead them out. Key word. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt because God is the one doing the work. <laughs> we, think, we don't have to worry about doing the work. Just being available and do what God says. God says, you're going to lead my people out and I'm going to be with you. And the last thing he said to them in verse 12, he says, because when they are delivered, they will come and serve me upon this mountain. So God's intent was for us to be delivered out of sin and out of darkness and come and serve him. And that serving today, we know, is helping them with the task of reaching lost people, reproducing ourselves. That's, that's what God is asking us to do. So what he did with Moses was Moses was in Egypt, just like they were. And eventually Moses left. I'm going to step out on the limb because I can identify with this a little bit. I'm going to step out on the limb and say the Lord allowed God knows our heart and the Lord allowed Moses to get into that jam where he killed that man. And that's why he ran. He was never going to leave Egypt. The dude wasn't going to leave Egypt. He was going to stay in that dark place and in that sinful place. So the Lord allowed him to get into that situation, Zion, where he says, oh, that's wrong. And went in and killed this dude. Hit him under the sand. But once the word spread, he had to run for his life and leave Egypt. And so he went to the land of Midian and Settled down, started loving the Lord a little bit more, had a family. Maturity. He had to get mature. He wasn't mature in Egypt. And when he left there and went to Midian, he got mature. And when he got mature, the Lord said, remember that place you killed that boy and ran away? That's where you're going right now. This is why he started stuttering. (laughs) This is why he had issues. Whoa, 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 whoa. You want, he didn't say it this way, but, but you can tell why he was stuttering. Because he ran from that place knowing he had some skeleton in the closet. He did wrong in that place. And the Lord says, oh yeah, that's where you're going. Just thought I'd let you know that. So whatever you're thinking in your mind, God is bringing you out of sin and out of darkness to send you right back into it. 
He sends you back when you're ready. When you had proper growth. Proper growth. When you've grown, he sends you back and he says, now go. Because you're going to serve me. That's how the Lord is rolling with us. That's what he's doing with us. We have to make friends. And we have to be able to reach people. They're in Egypt. They're in darkness. And you have been brought out of Egypt. Even though you're physically in the same place, trust me, spiritually, you're not in the same place. They're living in sin. Sin is controlling their life. Sin is not controlling your life. So you've been brought out of Egypt, out of the sinful world. Okay? And so you're no longer in darkness. The Bible says we are light. So what he's saying is, now you go back in that dark place. They don't have a choice but to see you. <laughs> you know what I got a vision of the other day? I don't know. One of the revivals. And when I thought about us being light, it made me think of when I first came to America and the American Airlines flight land in JFK. When you coming from a foreign country like I came from and that, that place are circling JFK and you look down in that New York City and you're saying you see dark spots and light, but you saw more light. And I really realize how God looks down at this world. When he looks down at this world, you don't know how badly God needs you. All he sees is our light shining. We're keeping this dark world with some light in it, Brother D. That's what's going on. And so when he looks down, his, his face just smiles upon us because it's the light. Our light is shining. And so you're going to see pockets of darkness, but the light is dominating. And so while we think it's just a few of us, Oh my God, it looked like more of us than it does the sinners that are in this world. When God looks, it, he just look and see this light. Like, look at my city, how it's lit up. It's us that have this world lit up. That's how he sees us. So when we go, this is why you can't compromise who you are, how you carry yourself, how you look. You can't worry about that. You are light and they're not. This is why I can't look like everybody else. I'm light. They're not. And so if I'm light, when I walk in, they have to recognize me. They don't have a choice. They can't see. But when I show up, they can see. Who that? You ever notice that? You ever notice when you show up sometime in a place, they breaking their neck, trying to figure out who you are. Every minute you catch them looking at you, you just kind of look at the outside of your eye and they're looking at you. Because <laughs> you're a light. You don't even understand. You're light. And they want to know who you are. Child of God. I'm beaming. And you can be just like me. So the final thing is this. When you walk in a room. Do you look around. To see how they're noticing you. Or do you look around to notice somebody. Because what happens is because we're light, automatically attention go on us, Sister Sharon. And you know what we do? We start absorbing that. That becomes our thing. And we miss the whole point of we're supposed to be there to look for people. Not for them to see me. And it's hard. It's not until you come to church and hear this kind of stuff that you can understand it. So when you walk into a room with a whole bunch of people, Brother Chuby. 
your light right away. All eyes goes on you and you're wondering, oh, and so now all you're thinking about is, I wonder if I'm OK. Do I look good? I'm fixing my collar. Make sure my collar look good. I hope I, um, my breath don't smell bad. And you just think because now you represent you. You want to look good. You want to because you feel good now because everybody looking at you because something about you and you're taking it for yourself. And you forgot that you're light and they had no choice but to look at you. And so now all you need to go is say, there you are. So here's a little thing. When you go into a room of people, do you go in and say, look at me, here I am. Or do you go and say, there you are. When you walk into the room, do you say, here I am. Or do you say, there you are. When light shine, light is supposed to be shining, Brother D, to, 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 to show somebody the way. So you are in the, in the driver's seat when you walk into the room, not those people. So if you're going there and say, here I am, wrong move. You're supposed to be going in there and say, there you are, like you're looking for them. Because that's what Jesus is doing. He's looking for them. And you are his hands and his feet. And so he sent you the light into that dark place to go find some people that are in darkness and sin. And so wherever you go, you're supposed to be going looking, saying, there you are. You're light. And wherever you go, you're going to make an impact, whether you like it or not, whether you whether you like the 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 the. the, the uh, for people to, that we, whether you like to be a spectacle or not, you don't have a choice at this point. You're a child of God. Who did I hear just say this? And I'm finished. Um, my man, Jerry West just said this. Jerry West said, he is such a low key guy that he wish he can just go about his business every day and not be noticed. But because he has been a great basketball player all his life, he is the logo on the NBA ball. He he has built, constructed so many great teams, and he's just a wonderful person. He can't go anywhere without being recognized. And really, by by nature, he's a quiet, humble, just let me be by myself guy. But he said it on air the other day. I wish I could just be like that, but unfortunately, it's not the way my life is. Can you get that attitude? I wish I could just be laid back. And I wish nobody would recognize me. I wish I can just do my own thing. That's not the life that you live in. You don't have a choice. You're a child of God. We making a big deal for Donald Trump kids or, 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 you know, any one of these, you know, name rich people, uh, kids. But there is no greater or no higher name that you can have than the one for your father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so people are going to recognize you no matter who, where you go. Just accept it. You might, you might be kind of laid back and quiet. That's okay. You don't have a choice. Accept it and carry it out. That's a big one, Brother D. But you don't have a choice. <laughs> he can handle it. When he has to, he will. That's a big one, Lukey. You don't have a choice. You, you wish you could just lay back and... Unfortunately, when you're a child of God, your light is shining. And so you're going to always be put in a position to reach for people. There you are. Let me help you. What can I do to make things better for you? Any questions? I think I'm done. 
I think this is going to wrap up our continuing the mission. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of our lesson. The greater works is not better works. Remember when I said that because Jesus did everything. It just meant we were going to impact more people by all of us working together to reach lost people than he could have walking around with his posses. That's all it means. So that's why I said we'll do greater work. Absolutely. Any other questions? Yes, Lukey. We can say all of that, but instead of me getting deep and you getting deep, let your light shine. That's all you got to do. Because here's the truth of the matter. He has to look at his life and look at yours all the time. And people can't help themselves. They're going to do the comparison. So if you just live out your life that Christ has for you, he's going to start asking you, how did, um, how did, um, and he will have a whole lot of questions for you. And all you got to keep on telling them is the Lord did this. The Lord did that. Here's how the Lord worked this out. Because God working in your life will make your life favorable. And people will see your life and wonder. My youngest brother put him on blast tonight. He didn't come to church Sunday and he promised me he was so I can put him on blast. My youngest brother always say to me, man, big bro, you seem to always have it going on telling me I got this and got that and this and that. I said, it's only because of Jesus. Jesus is so good to me. I mean, he gave me so much favor. Anything that I want, Jesus is working out for me. Man, but he won't live for God. But he, but he think I got it going on. And I told him how to get it going on himself. I think Jesus is no respect of person. You want to get it going on? Live for Jesus too. But he won't live for Jesus. But guess what? I can't make him live for Jesus, but he will always have to look at my life and see the hand of God is up on that dude. And that's all you can do. Until he decides he wants to do what you do to experience what you're experiencing, there's nothing you can do. But you can live out that life, that, that walking in Christ, to make him look at your life and say, man, that Luke, he just seems so blessed. They'll call it lucky. They call it whatever they want. But the bottom line is he's going to know your life is doing good and better than his. And he's going to want to know why your life is so good and better than his. Just live it out. Any other questions? We good? Bow your heads, Jesus. Help us tonight, Lord, to not just be hearers of your word.